We have a housing deficit estimating, estimated somewhere between 3.5 and 5.5 million, right? We cannot build enough houses to close that gap. People are, you know, multiplying. People need a place to live. And there's just, there's not enough homes out there to catch up. So we're going to be in a low housing environment for a very long time. So whether you buy today or in three years, just buy today. What's up, everybody? My name's Mike Shogren here with my co-host, Emmanuel Pani. We're part of a group of specialized real estate investors you've probably never heard of. We didn't start with deep pockets or wealthy families, and we don't rely on 401ks, mutual funds, or traditional real estate investing. In fact, many of us don't even own the properties that fund our freedom. If you ask the money experts out there, they'd say what we do is impossible, yet it's happening every single day. It's happening through a new niche called short-term rentals. We are Short-Term Rental Nation, and these are our secrets. What's going on, STR Nation? Hope you guys are having an amazing week. Uh, this episode is a special edition. Uh, this past week, I had a good buddy of mine, Chris Ledwidge, who is the co-founder and co-owner of The Lender, which is a uh, lending company that specializes in short-term rentals. And he came on to our YouTube channel and Facebook group to do a breakdown of what's been going on with interest rates and what his forecast is for the rest of Q2 and the rest of the year and breaking down different loan products that you can use to get into more deals for your short-term rental business. So initially I wasn't planning to use this for the podcast, but the episode was so good that I wanted to share it with you guys. And if you want to catch the video with all the slides that Chris is talking through, you can check that out on the YouTube channel or in the free short-term rental secrets, Facebook group. So with that being said, Enjoy the episode, have a pen and a notepad ready to take some notes because Chris drops some amazing information in this episode that I want to make sure that all of you guys got. So with that being said, let's get right into it. All right, perfect. So guys, if you're not familiar, um, Chris Ledwich, he is from The Lender. He's been a huge resource for me personally. He's kind of like my go-to guy when it comes to all things financing for short-term rentals. Uh, his company, The Lender, is a direct lender. They specialize in short-term rentals. They can do debt service coverage loans. They can do, they've got a ton of amazing products out there. And he truly is like the expert that I go to when it comes to understanding financing and figuring out what my best option is. And so when I pulled all the different groups between YouTube and the Facebook group, I asked people, you know, what's your biggest pain point right now in your business? The big cons uh, consensus was around interest rates. And what is going on with interest rates? I need to understand what's going on. I'm nervous to pull the trigger on some deals. Like, where are we going right now? So I talked to Chris. He had actually reached out and was like, hey, you interested in doing like a, a quarterly update for the interest rates? I said, your timing is perfect because uh, a lot of people are struggling with that right now. So Chris, I'll pull up your presentation in a second, but you just want to give everybody else a quick rundown on your background and more about the lender. Yeah, uh, and thanks for that introduction. So uh, my name is Chris Ledwidge. I'm one of the co-owners of The Lender, and uh, we're a direct lender, but we specialize in non-QM. So um, our products that we revolve around, we do a lot of DSCR, asset depletion, bank statement loans. And um, what myself and my retail group have really uh, done a good job at is how do we use those products to for investors, right? Whether it's a DSCR, an asset depletion, or a bank statement loan. But um, I'm also involved with my position within the lender. I'm the president of the retail division. So not only am I involved in the products, but I'm involved with the back end of the business, how we're originating funding and selling these loans. 
So I get a, a lot of exposure to, you know, the real meat of what's causing the, the rates to go up, but also some good insight into the things that are going to, that are on the horizon. Uh, what can we expect to see? Uh, how do we need to position ourselves? What things do we need to be aware of going into the near future? And um, Mike, if you can bring up the presentation, I think this is a good time where I can kind of jump in and before I jump into this actual presentation, what I want to do is give a just a, a recap or bookend the first quarter of 2022. You know, what happened there? What were the big things that occurred? Well, we saw that interest rates went up through the roof, right, at, at a pace that was just breakneck. I mean, we all knew it was coming, but we did not expect it to climb as quickly as it did. And, and what really drove that? We saw some things in the first quarter that were, you know, whether it was conflict, um, anytime there's global conflict and it starts to affect the way the global commerce works, whether it's, you know, the Russia-Ukraine conflict, things, markets start to tighten up, right? Not only are interest rates going up, but you're seeing credit policy change, which is indirectly driving the rate up there as well. We saw record inflation and we saw a Fed meeting with uh, in March, on March 16th, that came out with an increase in interest rate, but also a lot of very... Uh, a lot of indicators that there's going to be as many as seven rate increases over the next 18 months. And there's, and, and the whole reason for that is inflation, right? They want to bring the inflation down. Interest rates are the biggest lever they can pull to do so. And until that inflation problem gets under control, you know, we're going to see the rates go up, but it really kicked off in Q1, right? We just weren't ready for it. Now we're, you know, having to readjust our plans as investors and how we leverage and get our financing we have to work new models and we have to be even more diligent about how we go about uh, making these decisions. So what you see in front of you, this is just a, a markets in a minute. It's a, a quick snapshot, right? If I could take it all and just dump it onto a presentation, this is it, right? And in this case, we're doing a 30 day look back, right? And the graph just tells us what we already know that rates are steadily climbing, right? And that as far back as March, we were still at a 4.375. Here we are today, the national average on a Fannie Mae Freddie Mac product with is 5.5%, right? So let's get into a little bit of the housing news, other things that are driving this. We saw large investors have increased cash flow to devote to housing, having accumulated 89 billion for building or buying rental homes. Now that's something that you know is not common right you're you're seeing a lot more institutional money circulating in the housing market for the purchase of or purpose of investment properties that's one of those things that's kind of an anomaly that's holding prices up creating demand right there's a greater demand of investors right now and in low inventory so i think that leads into the next thing housing inventory is is up 8.3 percent since its seasonal low in march but inventory remains 65 percent lower than the same week in 2022, right? So supply and demand, there's just still not enough homes out there, but now we've got more buyers because institutional money is coming in. So that's gonna drive the rates up. As fixed rate mortgages surge, applications for adjustable rate mortgages have increased and now make up 7.4% of the total applications. That's to be expected, right? When the 30-year fixed is you know, in the fives and sixes, uh, more people are going to be looking at adjustable rate mortgages to capture a lower payment because that's the model that they they penciled out when they were considering this investment purchase or even their primary home. 
other things in the economy that uh, have been influencing rates, which I think at this point where most of us are aware of, but surging food, energy, and shelter costs pushed consumer prices up 8.5% in March, slightly hotter than expected and the highest since 1981. Um, I think at this point, we're all aware of the inflation issue. We're getting beat over the head with it in the news every day, but it's real and it's affecting you know the cost of money. And not only is it affecting the cost of money, the prices and good the the prices that goods and service providers pay also rose, right? So wholesale inflation hit 11.2 percent in March, the biggest gain on record. So not only that that cost passes through to the consumer. Sooner or later, we're going to hit a bit of a breaking point where people are just not going to want to spend as much money, right? And then you might see something with some housing prices, and but at some point there's going to be a, a breaking point we're not there yet people want to buy people are spending money but with the increased cost of money and the increased cost of goods and services we're going to approach a breaking point sooner or later now new unemployment applications remain near historically low levels as employers held on to workers in a tight labor market right so that's i mean that's good people want to get out there people want to work there's jobs for them that are available that's critical to keeping money circulating and consumers you know spending their dollars so that is a good sign i think that's one of those things that will temper rates you know getting a little bit more aggressive and pushing higher so what do we do with this information Right. We all know rates are going up. How do I reposition my mind, my strategy as an investor uh, going into the second quarter, third, fourth quarter of 2022? I think what we need to look at is, you know, there's going to be more loan products that become available. Right. You're going to be DS in the first, even third, fourth quarter of 2021 into the first quarter of 2022. I'd say that maybe the predominant loan product for uh, STR uh, investors was the Fannie Mae second home mortgage. And that's because they wanted to put only 10% down. It had a better interest rate than the DSCR uh, mortgage. It had no prepayment penalty. And there was a lot of whys behind one would take that mortgage over a DSCR, but then Fannie came out, tightened the box, make that loan more expensive and DSCR filled the gap, right? And now DSCR is pretty much, you know, the, the premier investor loan, if you will, for str um, or investor purchases period because we can use short-term rental income to qualify well we got to look at new products right we got to figure out other ways to qualify uh, other strategies and products like your asset depletion loan right that's not one that we've really marketed as an str um, tool financing tool but that program right there we spent a lot of time in the recent weeks you know digging in and trying to figure out how would one investor use that product Right. And, and we've identified that and we're going to publish how to use it and market behind it. But essentially, with an asset depletion loan, you can use your assets to qualify. There's no income needed. You can close in an LLC. There's a lesser prepayment penalty period. And we and, and cat, we're lending against your assets. Those assets can be your bank accounts, whether it's LLC or personal. That could be retirement accounts. That can be. Um, you know, marketable securities that you can sell. Um, Bitcoin, we can use Bitcoin as an asset to underwrite against, to lend money to. And, you know, that program comes with a lesser prepayment penalty. So our, our strategy has got to evolve as they did out of the Fannie Mae into the DSCR, with DSCR not evolve out of necessarily, but add to, right? Other, these other loan products. 
out of curiosity for the asset depletion loan, how does that work? Do you put essentially like a second mortgage on any other, like if, if they were borrowing against other real estate, like how do you guys secure that? Is it basically putting a lien or a second mortgage on those assets or how does that work? No, there is no lien. There is nothing that we do other than verify the assets and we use a portion of those assets to underwrite the loan. For example, let's um, say that you wanted to buy a million dollar property and you had a $1.5 million in assets, right? Whether that's a combination of Bitcoin, retirement accounts, stocks, cash reserves, whatever. You have, you have 1.5 million. You have one and a half times the balance of that loan of 1 million. We will lend to you, right? Because we figure you have enough assets to cover the loan and you have enough assets to debt service your own personal life, credits and liabilities for at least five years, right? So we did, there's three different methods we can use to underwrite that, but that's the simplest way to explain it. We are not putting liens against your assets. We're not making you put those assets in a specific bank account or any banking institution. We just want to see that you have enough money to cover the loan balance and your and debt service your life and your liabilities for at least five years after the close of escrow. And so it, it's products like that. It's bank statement products, right? Where it's like and and the asset depletion that solves a lot of problems for newer investors, right? One of the challenges on the DSCR loan is you must have one year short-term rental income experience in order to use the DSCR and qualify with STR income. Asset depletion, none of that matters. None so if we matters. look at it as three different buckets for some of the newer folks, right? You've got your traditional like Fannie, Freddie, traditional products that are basically, they're verifying that you make enough money to pay back the loans, right? And then when you get yeah. into the DSCR, debt service coverage loans, that's basically saying this property is going to bring in enough money and some to to pay the loan and then on the asset side get getting a loan based on okay i have enough assets that from a bank standpoint if i didn't pay it i have enough assets that i could sell to pay off the loan so it's three right. different high level buckets if we look at it that way yeah so everything revolves around a term called atr ability to repay just like you mentioned with fannie mae freddie mac they're evaluating your ability to repay that loan based off of your income. And like you mentioned with DSCR, we're evaluating the subject property's ability to repay the loan debt service. With an asset depletion, we're looking at the assets and their ability to repay the loan and debt service your lifestyle. And then there's a bank statement loan, you know, where we would look at a business owner's bank statements for the last as little as three months, as much as 12, 24 months. And we're going to do an average on the cash flow in those bank statements. And we're going to use that as the qualifying income for a bank statement program. Bank statement programs can also be used as an investment purchase, not owner occupied, just like the asset depletion uh, program. Account. Now, asset depletion and bank statement can also be used as a second home purchase. Okay. DSCR cannot. DSCR is a business purpose loan only, non owner occupied. You sign an affidavit saying as much when you close with that loan. Asset depletion and bank statement, you can do it as a primary residence, second residence, or an investment purchase. Only way you can close title in an LLC is under an investment purchase. Gotcha, gotcha. And I guess as far as how the rates compare across those products, right? Like you were sharing earlier, I think you said it was five and a half percent right now for some of the traditional stuff. How does that compare to the DSCR 
versus the asset depletion versus the bank statements? So DSCR is, I, I think if you're going to want to use one simple metric to kind of like keep in your mind, I think DSCR on average is going to be about one to one and a quarter percent higher than your Fannie Mae product, right? And I'm not comparing DSCR to Fannie Mae primary or even second home mortgage, right? I'm saying investment property, all right? So it's going to be about anywhere from one to one and a quarter percent higher in the sixes. But one thing I want to point out there when doing the Fannie Mae Freddie Mac loan, a lot of people overlook the fact that you're paying mortgage insurance because they're really doing that Fannie Freddie pot product because they want to put 10% down. Anytime you're putting less than 20% down, you end up with mortgage insurance. Mortgage insurance premiums on a Fannie Mae second home mortgage or a Fannie Mae investment property are going to be close to 1, 1.375%. So even though you get that 5.5, you're paying another one, one and a quarter in mortgage insurance. Smash those two together, you're in the high sixes, right? And, and mortgage insurance is not something that is tax deductible, by the way, right? Mortgage interest is. So <clears throat> I just want to provide that context, but DSCR loans, which do not have mortgage insurance, are going to be, you know, anywhere from a percent to a percent and a quarter higher. Gotcha. Now, asset depletion um, is going to be comparable to the DSCR. You might find it to be an eighth or a quarter percent better in rate, but you're also going to see things like lesser prepayment penalty. You're going to see higher LTVs allowed. Um, you're going to see, you know, more flexibility. You're not going to have issues on rural, right? Well, that would have been good a month ago yeah. or whatever. Yeah. So the right? rural aspect doesn't come into play on an asset depletion loan. So again, it's, it's those strategies that we got to be constantly looking for and, and be first to market on and figure out. And, and the best thing about being, you know, the owner, one of the owner operators of the lender is I do own short, a short-term rental. I own some commercial property and, you know, I, I live in this world so I can put on my, my STR hat and think about, okay, when I buy my next one, which I'm going to, do I want to use an asset depletion? Do I want to do a DSCR? And I can really figure out, you know, what best type of financing exists for the person or the entity in that case. So um, and it, it's that's the, that's probably where I think we're going in the remainder of this year. We got to look at more products. We also got to look at, um, you know, what lenders you're working with. You want to look at things if you are doing these non-QM DSCR type loans, asset depletion. You're going to want to work with a lender that has a, a flexible lock policy, right? That's one of the byproducts of the way all of us lenders were operating in quarter one, that our, the way we were originating and selling these loans kind of prohibited the way we could lock them. Now, all that changed in a, in a market where rates are climbing so fast, we have to do, a, a, we have to get our arms wrapped around that more. So we changed our lock policy in the way we execute and sell our loans. So we can, we have changed it to where you can lock for greater periods at earlier phases in the process, right? So previously you couldn't lock your loan until the appraisal was received, right? And there, cause there was some critical information there that we needed before we were going to lock that loan, right? That's a problem, right? Appraisals take forever. They have been taking forever. And that means your, your rate's floating. Now, if that appraisal, let's say, takes four weeks, like there was a period of time the first quarter where most appraisals, three and a half, four weeks, we were competing with all that refinance business out there, right? Refinances have, have gone, appraisal turn times are improving, but still let's call it three weeks. 
that means your rate is floating for three weeks. If your rate was floating really between the end of February all the way to the beginning of April, any period of two weeks or three weeks in that period, you started at, you know, 5% maybe, and you ended at six, right? And that's, that, that's hard to manage a business decision when things are that uncertain. So what did we do about it? We increased the length of time you can lock your loan. We moved the period of time in which you could lock your loan up. Again, previously it was when appraisal received. Now it's going to be when that loan is submitted to processing. Okay. That is, that is, that is basically at the time that we order the appraisal. So that's going to give the investor, you know, more security. Once they originate their loan, they get all their documentation in. We have a complete application and we submit that loan to processing. We lock the loan, right? You can put it behind you. And for as much as 60 days, right? Now, I, I think a lot of lenders are, are, I mean, this is just kind of an obvious strategy. So I assume other DSCR non-QM lenders are doing the same thing, but we got to look at our strategies again, not just product, but how can that lender execute for you through their lock policies and, you know, all those things involved. Yeah. And one of the things that I enjoy working with Chris on is like, again, he thinks like us. So like we were evaluating a refinance, which I was alluding to earlier and a potential purchase. And it was in that crazy point. It was like late February, early March, and like rates just kept creeping up. And then I got a rural thing. But like you, you reanalyze that deal probably four or five times from like different angles to see if it could work. And that's why I like working with Chris and his team because they get it. And like they put in the effort to try and find the best product for you. And I'm not going to name drop any other companies, but I've worked with a bunch of other companies. And I felt like I was driving more of that conversation to try and figure out other strategies where like, Chris and his team would just present them to me of like, well, we could try it this way and this is what it would look like, or we could try it this way. And they just gave me more options. So that's huge, especially in today's environment where, again, we're alluding to like rates going up. Chris is always exploring different new products. I guess to do like a quick recap, Chris, on you mentioned something about the LTVs, loan to value for any of the newer folks in here. What do the LTVs look like on a DSCR product and the asset depletion product? So LTVs on a, a, a DSCR product, we're at 80% LTV. And okay. uh, on an asset depletion on a primary residence, a 90% LTV. On a second home, I believe it's 85% uh, LTV. And on investment purchase, it is 80% LTV. Okay. And that would so be- that those three LTVs for the asset depletion are the same for a bank statement program. 90 for primary, 85 for secondary or second, and then 80 for investment. Gotcha. So to, to turn it around again for some of the newer folks, what that means is primary house, you need 10% down minimum. If it's a vacation home or a second home, you need 15% down minimum. If it's a true investment property, you need 20% down for those products. Right. So LTV is loan to value. If you flip it around and look at it the other way, it's how much cash do I have to put in? So it's either 10, 15 or 20 percent down, depending on the type of property that you're going to buy. Yeah. And I think it's worth mentioning that, you know, the asset depletion uh, and bank statement, for that matter, can also be used as a cash out refinance. Right. That is probably one of the most exercised strategies in, in our little cottage industry here is leveraging assets to buy assets. Right. So the asset depletion loan can be used uh, to do a cash out refinance on a property. Let's say you own, uh, you have an LLC and you either have one home or several homes in there, right? As assets, 
and you want to borrow against one of those homes, we could do a cash out refinance using the asset depletion loan, right? No need for rental histories or anything like that. We can just leverage that asset. That's our collateral. And we'll use your, you know, assets to underwrite the loan. Love it. I love it. I know you don't have a, uh, a crystal ball, but where do you, I guess, expect like Q2, like if you were guesstimating, like where do you think rates are going by the end of Q2 and then by the end of the year? I know you mentioned they were anticipating up to seven potential hikes, but everybody's question is, well, what does that look like by the end of the year? Okay. I think by the end of Q2, this graph right here, this picture I'm showing you, I think this number on the left-hand side is in the sixes. And I'd say this over here, 0.375. So I think we're going to see 0.875% increase going into Q3 on this right on, on the base rate, right? I think we're going to see nearly a point increase going into the third quarter. By the end of the year, if we don't get our arms wrapped around inflation and we don't start seeing good news come out of that, I think you're seeing Fannie Mae product in the, you know, whew, I mean, definitely high sixes, maybe even sevens, because you got to remember this rate that they're advertising, that's the cumulative of an 80% LTV 800 FICO. Right now, if you're getting into those higher LTVs and you might have a 720 FICO or a 700 even, you're looking in the sevens. There's going to be a lot of sticker shock there. So I think we're going to see about, you know, three quarters to 0.875 increase in rate between going into the third quarter. Okay. Thank you for that. And then the, the big question that people always ask me is, well, should I wait to buy property now? Like, is it too late to get in the game? And I'm curious to hear your take. I'll give you mine real quick, but I think it depends on what people's strategy is. Like if you're somebody that likes to get in and out of a deal within a year, 18 months, you're kind of flipping these properties. For me, I probably wouldn't be doing that right now. Personally, I'm a long-term buy and hold investor, right? So I closed on this property with a DSCR loan back in December. I plan on holding this thing. Like I evaluated the cash flow. It's going to generate about a 30% cash on cash return. And I have no plan to sell or refinance it. So whatever the market's doing interest rate wise and whatever my balance sheet looks like, you know, with valuations, I'm fine because this thing just keeps producing cash flow every single month. So it really depends on what your strategy is, but realistically, like rates are going to keep going up for a while. So if you're getting into the long-term game, my personal take is, I want to acquire a few more properties ASAP so that I can lock in rates where they are because I'm a long-term buy and hold investor. I agree with everything you said, right? You're a long-term buy and hold investor. So, you know, time tells us that real estate is a proven investment, right? But do you wait? Do you get in? I say get in, right? And here's my reasons why. Rates are going up. Yes. But there is no global solution for the inventory problem that this country has. We have a housing deficit estimating, estimated somewhere between 3.5 and 5.5 million, right? We cannot build enough houses to close that gap. People are, you know, multiplying. People need a place to live. And there's just, there's not enough homes out there to catch up. So we're going to be in a low housing environment for a very long time. So whether you buy today or in three years, just buy today. Take advantage of all the different things that you can in organizing under an LLC depreciation, the appreciation, the asset debt services, you know, don't, don't get held up, you know, making that decision. But here's, here's the other thing. 
I brought this screen back up. Large investors have increased cash flow to devote to housing, having accumulated 89 billion for building or buying rentals. Once institutional money gets involved and they start throwing their weight around, it's going to get way more competitive. They're going to gobble up everything they can because they know this is a long-term win. So you, you've got to get in and in my opinion, you got to get your hands on what you can while you can. Right. And you know, if your if your idea is like, well, I don't want to compete right now because institutional money is buying and it's saturated. Well, keep in mind, there's no solution at the end of that for more homes. We're in this for a while. So I say jump in. Awesome. Well, appreciate you taking the time, Chris. This was super valuable as always. Um, real quick before we wrap up, where can folks learn more about the lender and the different products that you guys have? Yeah. Um, actually, we're launching our new website this weekend. Uh, we, we have the So go to thelender.com and just click on the homepage and you'll see our product lineups for uh, STR, LTR, multifamily units, our bank statement programs for self-employed, asset depletion page will be going up uh, this weekend as well. So buttons all over the website. If you wanna click for an estimate or click to book a call, everything you need is gonna be on that homepage. Love it, love it. And if you're coming to Nashville to the STR Wealth Conference, Chris is our title sponsor. He will be there, he will be speaking and um, I'm sure he'll be able to mingle and meet some of you guys. So make sure you guys grab your tickets. Uh, we're going to be going live again in about 20 minutes with the rest of the speakers from that event. So make sure you tune in. It'll be back here in the Facebook group, uh, short-term rental secrets and uh, make sure you connect with Chris and the lender. I'm serious. Like I don't have anybody on that I haven't worked with. And uh, Chris is one of the best. Like he was super patient with me, ran a bunch of different scenarios for me, went above and beyond to try and make some deals work. So truly appreciate him and his team. And, um, Looking forward to doing some more business with you this year. So thanks guys. I appreciate your time today. Thanks again, Chris. Take care, everybody. Hey, STR Nation. If you enjoyed this episode, please make sure to hit that subscribe button and leave us a review. And in the comments, let us know what topics you want us to cover on upcoming episodes. And we'll make sure to get that in the books for you. And if you really want to learn how to launch, automate, and scale your short-term rental business, if you want to go deeper, then check out our free masterclass at strsecrets.com.